You're listening to Q&A with Father Jay. This is your co-host, the man on fire, John Sablon. And I'm joined by my dear friend and dear priest, Father Jay Mello of Fall River. Good morning, Father. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Did you have yourself a Merry Christmas, Father? I did. It was fantastic. That's Great awesome. Christmas. Yourself? I did. I did. Yeah, we were very, very blessed as a, as a family. We welcomed in a new grandbaby. As uh, you're, you're aware, as we follow oh, each other. So um, on the 13th okay. of this month, so this Christmas season was was definitely uh, a, a way more special one um, with the new, new addition to the Sablon Hanan tribe, uh, as my daughter. So this is your not your first grandchild, is it? No, it is. It's the first grandchild. No, so the first one. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Father. You're way too young to be a, <laughs> a grandfather. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when when you meet in kindergarten and get married in first grade, you know, things just kind of go go from there. So, uh, <laughs> so hey, you know, get those sacraments in. There, there you go. There you go. Well, hey, Father, you know, thanks for joining me on this this new venture. Um, and for those that are, are listening, this is the first episode of Q&A with Father Jay. And this is really... Uh, you know, Father and my um, attempt at being a resource out there for the faithful. Um, and maybe those that are not even faithful at all, don't believe in God, but just want a resource to get some clarity, um, some answers to some questions they may have about um, both faith and life. And so just kind of wanted to use this first episode, Father, as an opportunity for our listeners and growing listeners to get to to know you and I. So um, why don't I just sure. begin with uh, with you and you give you a little bit of your background um, and help our listeners understand who Father Jay Mello is. I am um, a priest in the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts, which is southeastern Massachusetts. Um, I've been a priest about 12 and a half years, uh, in 2007. Um, grew up here in the city of Fall River, where I'm, I'm pastor now, back in the, um, in the city itself. Uh, pastor two parishes, uh, one of which has school uh, in the inner city, uh, studied at Princeton University, Cubanville, did my undergraduate there, degree in philosophy, theology, and religious education, and then did my seminary study at the North American College in, in Rome, uh, studied at Gregorian University, and when I came back after my ordination, uh, I was a couple of years as a high school chaplain at uh, one of our five high schools, and I was a couple of years out on uh, Cape Cod, uh, which is a great vacation spot out here in the Northeast. Uh, vocation director for the diocese for about four years. Um, and I was a vocal vicar at one of our largest parishes in the, the northern part of the diocese, just south of Boston. And then an administrator of one of the small parish after one of our priests died. And then I've been here. It'll be five five years and uh, about two weeks here. I, my anniversary is coming up. It was a, a January uh, transfer. So it's been a great five years. I love being a parish priest. Um, love having a school in particular and love trying to do my best and in this part of the very secular part of the world to build up God's kingdom, to, to share our faith, to bring that hope, um, the message of Christ's gospel to people who haven't heard it, haven't heard it correctly, uh, are longing for something more in their life and allowing the Lord to work in their lives. Wonderful. Now, thank you, Father, for your priesthood and for all that you're doing for Holy Mother Church. I know that, um, especially during this right. time, um, uh, both in the culture and really in Holy Mother Church, we're experiencing kind of a, a father crisis, if you will. Um, so 
we see that with the uh, mm-hmm. the breakdown of the family, and we know that there's um, there's plenty of that going on even internally with uh, just some of the scandal and, and the abuse that's going on within the church. So, um, faithful priests like yourselves give give the rest of us faithful um, some some hope and uh, and some encouragement. So, thank you for that. Now, my listeners out there who um, are probably familiar with me, I have the other podcast, True Faith Real Talk. Um, but if you're not, um, you know, I'm just I'm your normal everyday guy. Um, who uh, who just fell in love with Jesus Christ in the church. I myself have received a graduate certificate in theology from Augustine Institute and are currently pursuing my um, degree in moral theology from Holy Apostles College and Seminary. So slow burning that, Father. You know how education is amongst life. Um, you just you <laughs> got to just try to get it done when you can get it done. Um, but my day job is uh, actually in technology. I've been in technology now for 20 years, and I work in cybersecurity. So um, in the day, uh, by day, I actually am fighting bad guys trying to steal your identity. Um, and by, uh, by night, I guess I'm, studying, I'm trying to fight the demon from stealing your soul. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, that's definitely some back. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I know that you, there's a, there's, there's a movie there or maybe a shirt or a mug or bumper sticker, something like that. There you go. We'll get your cake. Yeah. So, um, a little bit about the format for those that are listening. Um, we, you know, father and I will, again, we'll be, um, trying to produce something perhaps on a weekly basis. We'll, we'll kind of see what our rhythm is. I know the life of a, of a pastor of two parishes and a school, um, is, is challenging along with um, just a layman trying to, to, to be a husband, father, and full-time employee. But we're going to do our best to try to get something out on a frequent basis, um, at the very least every other week, if not every week. And in the format of the show, um, we'll be uh, at, at the beginning, we'll be talking about a saintly shout-out. So for today, it's providential that Father uh, Jay and I are beginning the first podcast on the 27th of December, which is the feast day of St. John the Evangelist. And it's timely in the sense that um, this is really a podcast that's aimed at evangelization. Um, and, you know, uh, what a great model for us. St. John was uh, the beloved disciple. He was in the, uh, the trusted circle of three. And, uh, you know, while everybody fled um, uh, our Lord, he was at the foot of the cross with Our Lady, um, so we just ask uh, for the special intercession of St. John the Evangelist as Father Jay and I begin this journey on Q&A with Father Jay. So, Father, you know, one of the, the things we were talking about before we started this, this episode was just the need for a podcast like this. And perhaps sure. you can talk about, you know, your perspective. You know, you hear it a lot in the, the Catholic realm, whether it be in the news or the media, whatever, whatever uh, platforms that are out there about just what we've been experiencing in the last 50, 60 years when it comes to catechesis and evangelization. Can you speak to, from your perspective, what you've seen in the last 50 to 60 years as it relates to evangelization and just the faithful before we get into the studies that will kind of show where we are today? Uh, sure. Uh, but just for, for clarity, for those who follow you, don't follow me. I'm really not that old, so I can't speak the last 60 years. But uh, but <laughs> I'm thinking that I'm some old retired priest here. Um, no, I, I think one of the the real struggles that we see, um, and I think we have to constantly remember this, that any time after uh, an ecumenical council that we've seen historically throughout the century, there have been a number of them, there's always sort of this... Um, Turmoil in the church, I guess you could say, or there's this uneasiness um, before the council leading up to it. People are like, what, what's the council going to decide? Is the council going to change something? And then you have the council itself and then the, the aftermath of it. I remember one of my professors in college saying, 
they really almost need a hundred years after council for it to be fully understood, developed, implemented. And so we find ourselves, what, 50, 60 years after the Second Vatican Council. And, and a council, you know, unlike many that we've had throughout history, that, you know, the whole purpose of it was how do we take the ancient faith that the, the churches professed, that people believed and practiced, and how do we put it in more modern terms? We weren't changing anything about faith. Um, the content of it, we were changing how it was articulated, mm-hmm. um, which needs to always be done, right? There's this updating of how do you say things in, in a new way so that the modern world would be able to understand and, and comprehend. But there was obviously, uh, as Pope Benedict described many times, sort of this, um, this break in this continuity. Like that some would almost want the permanent of discontinuity to say like everything that happened before 1962 is sort of gone now. We're just like starting all over. Mm. This is no, we, we're constantly building upon our past. We're not, we're not abandoning our tradition, our heritage, our culture. Um, but in some circles of the world, that did happen, you know, especially liturgically, mm-hmm. um, catechetically. Um, and, and what we saw, it was almost a perfect storm in society in the 60s and 70s, certainly in the United States, but throughout the world, as it's safe to say, mm-hmm. where there was just sort of this, not because of the council, but just sort of the way it, it happened, the way it was implemented, where there was this craziness, you know, um, and people were kind of almost thinking that we're abandoning everything that we had always done. And so liturgically, it's kind of where it's most visible. Uh, but I, I think where it's been most devastating is in the area of catechesis. So most people don't really know what the church believes. And I think sometimes people get angry with the church um, because they think, oh, the church teaches this or the church teaches that. And because they've heard it from somebody, but they don't know themselves. And so we have, you know, huge amounts of people who don't know their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the fault of the church that we have failed to, to catechize our children. Um, and so you have kids who are going through faith formation and it's insufficient. We have kids going to Catholic school. I mean, I went through nine years of Catholic grade school and I never heard that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. Mm. Well, why does that school exist if we can't teach the basics of the faith? Now, I don't think you need to necessarily be able to you know, articulate every fine theological point of the Trinity, mm-hmm. you know, as a, a sort of fourth grader. But you should be able to, to know that the Church teaches that the Eucharist is truly Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, and so we, we have, as a Church, we need to take responsibility in that Pope, bishops, cardinals, priests, deacons, teachers, to say we have failed in, in our duty to pass on the faith in its entirety. Um, so, and there was a time, I think, right after the council where there were things that were being taught that were just not true. Um, and, and the bishops have done a great job of sort of cleaning that up. You know, when we look at textbooks, um, and this may be the reason for, for example, the teaching on the Eucharist, the, the lack of belief in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. is the teaching wasn't clear, or sometimes it was very messy. Where the... the Bishops have done a lot with Catholic textbook series to say, okay, they are in conformity 
with the Catechism of the Catholic Church now. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the other problems, you know, in the 80s, 90s, wasn't that they were wrong. It's just what they were missing. You know, so now you have kind of two stages of the problems of catechesis. One, where they were teaching things that were not correct. Mm-hmm. And then two, you're not teaching anything wrong, but you're not teaching in its entirety either. Mm-hmm. And people, the, the baptized, have the right um, to, to know what the church teaches in its entirety. So, but I think that's a real struggle with people is that they don't really know, and sometimes they get angry with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I often hear sometimes people say, well, you know, the church hates gays, or the church hates people who have abortions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, have you read the catechism? The church mm-hmm. says very explicitly that we're not to discriminate against homosexuals in any way. Mm-hmm. Right? But, but they may have heard from, from a Catholic, you know, and sometimes people in their families, um, you know, whoever goes to church the most becomes sort of the expert for that, for that family, mm-hmm. right? Or in a, in, a, in a workplace, right? They know somebody, you know, goes to the Mass on Sundays or they're involved in their church, so they go to that person with all their questions. Mm-hmm. And that person may answer their question incorrectly and so they have bad information. So they may take this person's explanation as gospel truth mm-hmm. or as definitive as catechism, and then if it's, they can be led astray by that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that this happens a lot of times. People get afraid to talk about their faith because they don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to miscommunicate. Uh, and, that, and that's sad, too, that people don't know their faith well enough to be confident in conversations when questioned about it. You know, and to say, well, why do you Catholics not eat meat on Friday? Why do you Catholics, you know, worship Mary? All these, you know, these things. And then they they get really worked up about this. And then sometimes that affects their own faith. Mm-hmm. With, you know, instead of them evangelizing, they are being evangelized by others in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see... So that's why I think some of the... Yeah, I was going to say, you can see where that's, you know, showing itself, the fruition of what, everything you're talking about, Father, is, comes, comes to... Um, to fruition when we see some of the data that's been coming out. You know, we were talking about this prior to um, even this episode when we, we look at the the studies that have done, the religious landscape study done by the Pew Research Center, both in 2014 and then I think they did an update in 2019 mm-hmm. where we've seen, you know, the highest growing, um, you know, demographic is the re- religiously unaffiliated, uh, you know, often called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, right? Um, they're up yep. to 26% now. And, and you see, whereas Catholics yeah. in particular are taking a big dip where there's, you know, we're, we're down to one in five adults now are Catholic. And we probably would even question how Catholic are they, right? So they may identify as Catholics, but that's also taking a dip. So every religious affiliation is on the decline with the exception of the religiously unaffiliated. And, you know, we know in statistics will show you that for every one person that will be confirmed, you know, this year, 6.5 will leave. So you just put that at the, at the you yeah. know, the, the parish level, right? So I know here at my home mm-hmm. parish in St. Joseph's in Modesto, California, I mean, we've got about 300 children that are in first year and second year confirmation. So just do the math, right? So if you've got 150 kids that are going yep. to be confirmed, well, you've got 800 walking out the door. And, um, you know, that's partially because of, like you said, either a lack of understanding of, of why we do what we do or even what we do. Um, and the meaning behind the significance behind that, or even a, just an encounter, um, 
with that in their own personal life and their own family lives. And so this cultural Catholicism, I know I was used to, right? The kind of do as I say, not as I do go to mass, but dads aren't going to mass mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, right? To just do it because I said so. And, you know, not, not realizing all of the elements and, you know, for the listeners out there, we're going to really address the, the, the mass piece as our first real um, uh, meat and potatoes episode, uh, the next episode, just to kind of break that open. Um, so people can have a better understanding so that when you actually attend mass, you actually understand what we're doing, understand the elements, the parts of the mass. So you have a greater uh, awareness and you can therefore participate more fully into the, into the holy sacrifice of the mass. So, but yeah, we know that from the, the statistics, father, one of the things that we wanted to bring up on this episode was, um, the, the Barna study <clears throat> that was done. And, uh, I'll have all of these links in the, um, the, the, the show notes as well. So you can refer to them and read them in detail. There's a lot of information there. Um, but the, the, the most post Christian cities in America, um, which they did a recent update in 2019, they did, uh, they, they basically took, they questioned about over 70,000 Americans and they had a list of about 16 questions. And if you answered about, if you answered 13 out of those 16 questions a certain way, then they would put you as the most post-Christian cities. And so if you think about it, Father, mm-hmm. that this is, we're a country that's founded on Judeo-Christian values. And for the first time in our American history, um, we are now considered a post Christian country, meaning most people mm-hmm. do not identify with being Christian. And on that um, that list of rankings, this is where we we uh, you and I started talking about as we were preparing for this episode. It was pretty shocking, would you say? I mean, given um, how many people would think they would show up on this list of cr- cities that no longer identify as Christian cities. So, if you were to take a guess, let's take your area, Father. Would you have guessed that you would have been on that mm-hmm. list, and where would you have put yourself on that list? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think if we think about some of the most Catholic places in the United States, you know, historically in the last two hundred years, you know, New England is clearly, you know, percentage-wise, one of the biggest hubs of Catholicism in this country. And you look at that list, you take top five post-Christians are all dioceses in the Northeast, mm-hmm. all New England. And is it um, shocking to me? No. It's disappointing, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think there are a number of factors that go into this. You know, um, one of them is, obviously, he's done a poor job of, of catechizing people. That's huge. Um Obviously, the scandals, you know, are going to be with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I, I'm pretty certain that the rest of my life, my priesthood, you know, the memory of, you know, what happened in Boston first in the early 2000s, you know, will be with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a long time. It's going to take a lot of hard work on behalf of the church, especially priests, to regain that trust, to um, to help people see that, those people who started the church, you know, have scarred people's faith, who have, have hurt children. Um, that that's not all of us. So there are many of us who, yes, we're imperfect. Yes, we're, we're sinners. Um, but we are equally as disgusted by that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if we had this conversation in the past uh, or this example. Um, I remember one time I was getting off of a, a plane flying into Boston from. Uh, back from Rome, and I, I was wearing my clerical attire in the airport, 
and someone comes over to me and says, Father, I'm angry with the church. I'm angry with priests. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, I took a deep breath, and I said, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a bit disarmed by it, taken back by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, look, I'm a young priest. Like, all of these things that happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm going to give my life to this because I, I believe in our Lord. I believe in his church. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's not who we are. And it, it's, it's sad that when a lot of people see a priest or they think of the church, the first thing they think of is scandal. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a huge part of it, especially here in, in New England. Um, and we, you know, just saw recent studies come out of, or Earth Nation come out of Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the second reason. And I think the, the third contributing factor to this is one that a lot of people don't want to talk about. It sounds a bit accusatory. Um, but but I, I, I think the younger generation or people today, one of the things that no one wants to be is a hypocrite, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> no one wants to be accused of being disingenuous. Or, and so I think a lot of people, they don't believe in the gospel because they've not been evangelized, they've not been catechized, they don't understand why. Mm-hmm. But they, they don't want to go to church because they know they're not living according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, those commandments. And so they, they feel hypocritical. It's like, what? If I'm living with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, or if I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, and I'm sinning. When we go to church, we're confronted before God of what we're doing in our own life. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would just rather not deal with that. Um, and I think it's one of the, the, the factors that a lot of people don't want to talk about. That it's not just that people are not going to church. I mean, people are just living, embracing, and celebrating sin mm-hmm. in a much greater way. And I think we're, many people are afraid to talk about that part of it. Now, you bring up a great point, Father. But I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, when you're confronted with truth, right, it, you're, you're automat- you have to do something with that, right? So if you know... If you're convicted, yeah. here you are in, in, in church, which is supposed to be a holy place where you encounter God. And um, you're going to, if you are living contrary to that, um, I mean, why would you want to be there? Right. It's like going to be pouring hot coals all over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are yeah. quite honestly, if we are honest with ourselves in our broken and fallen nature, you know, what? we are very comfortable in sin. You know, it's celebrated by the media, oh, yeah. it's celebrated by the culture. And you know what? I'm going to start to the, the, the evil one and his minions likes to convince us that we are justified in in the seeking of that sin or the experiencing of that sin. And now we're it's even getting worse, right, where we're, we're being told that the, the devil isn't real. And, you know, what you're doing isn't really sinful. It's 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 you know, it's it's how you were raised or, you know, whatever, you know, garbage that's being you know, spewed out of there. So, yeah. Um, I, I think it speaks to Father that the reason why ultimately it circles back to the reason why we want to do Q and A with Father Jay is that we can provide a resource mm-hmm. here for for the faithful, for others, for those that may be struggling with Holy Mother Church, like most of us are, both the faithful and non alike, yep. um, with what's going on. That you can actually have a a solid uh, a resource that you can go to and ask questions in a very safe and even anonymous way, really, um, that we can help address. Yep. Um, some of those questions and help, you know, provide some clarity and provide some, some reassurance. And remember that, you know, for Father Jay, I, I think I speak for both of us, Father, that, you know, we are Catholic because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we believe that this is the one true church that he started. Um, you wouldn't have given your life yep. the way you did uh, and have and continue to if you didn't believe that. And the same thing with me is, you know, I, I, I once was a wayward soul and now I found God and I found his bride and, I, and, and, and I'm part of that. Yeah. And so I think... This is for all of those that are out there listening. 
an opportunity for you to grow in your faith, to learn your faith, to ask questions, to to really wrestle with some of these things that may be difficult. You know, I believe wholeheartedly in everything that the church teaches and professes. Um, and I don't even know everything that it does, but I, I believe in he who is God, Jesus Christ in particular, that what he's given us through Holy Mother Church is the truth and is what is best for me to get back to the beatific vision, seeing our Lord one day, right? So, um, so, so Father, that's... that's Go ahead, Father. I, I'm just thinking one thing as you're, you're saying this, of those who are struggling with their, their faith or, you know, struggling with the church during these times. You know, we mentioned that, you know, there's a shout out to the saints. Mm-hmm. You know, um, St. John, I, I think, is a, is a great one for us to, you know, start off with here mm-hmm. um, for many reasons, right? I mean, he, he wrote one of the Gospels. So he's an evangelist, one of the apostles who was with our Lord. But you're right, when everyone else abandoned our Lord, mm-hmm. it was John, who was the youngest. Mm-hmm. Right, who stood with Mary at the foot of the cross, and so I think it's a great spiritual reflection for all of us. And people say, "Father, what are we to do?" And it's like maybe they're struggling; they don't understand, or they're confused by or bothered by things that Pope Francis says or does, or things going on in their own diocese, their own parish. And, and they know they love the Lord; mm-hmm. they know that they love being Catholic, and it's like being in the boat, right? And the waves are crashing in, and like you wake up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are we to do? And, and I heard a great reflection on this by uh, Archbishop Sample from Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, this summer at a conference at, at Steubenville. And he's like, what are we to do during these difficult times? He said, we are to be like St. John. We are to stand at the foot of the cross, shoulder to shoulder with our Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. and looking at our Lord. He said, you know, St. John and Mary looked at Christ being crucified, his body beaten, and mocked and spat upon and bruised and bloody. Well, the church is the body of Christ. And right now it has been bruised and spat upon and disfigured by the sinfulness of her members, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, most sadly by her own priest, her own bishop. Um, and so what do we have to do? We just keep our eyes fixed on our Lord. That's always what we do. That's always, that's for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. But in these times in, in a very special way, to stand with our Blessed Mother, keeping her eyes fixed on the Lord. That's, that's my advice to everyone. They're like, well, what are we doing these times? That's my advice to my brother priest. And it's like, gosh, sometimes we just want to give up. And that question, is it worth it? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. It's always worth it mm-hmm. to, you know, to be with our Lord. And so we, we keep our eyes fixed on him. So and I think that's, you know, when we talk about St. John, that's kind of where we need to focus our attention. I mean, of all the great things he wrote, all the you know, great things that he did, what a wonderful example he gave us sort of cross thing. I'm not going anywhere. But it was easy to run. Everyone that was Peter took off. Peter denied him. Mm-hmm. You know, Judas betrayed him. And the others, they were scared. They, they didn't know what to do. And they, they all left. Mm-hmm. And he stood there. And, then, and that's what we're to do. Amen, Father. Yeah, we need to cling to, obviously cling to our Lord and to our Blessed Mother, but to the lives of the saints who also lived, right, earthly lives like we do, struggle with the same things we do, put on their pants and bleed just like we do, um, but but also kept the faith and endured. So, well, thank you, Father. This has been a great first episode. And um, before I kind of go into uh, what's up next, could you mind giving us your priestly blessing? Because I don't want to interrupt it with our theme music. You know what I mean? Sure. To the intercession of our Blessed Mother and St. Michael the Archangel and St. Joseph. May Almighty God bless all of you who are listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Father. So we want to make sure that everyone who is listening is 
invited to to join the show and engage in the show and you can do that in a couple of different ways um you know you can you can catch both father jay and i on social media but the best way to do it and you can just leave a comment you can private message either one of us um john j sablon is my handle um father what's your are you is it father jay mellow yep. okay father jay mellow and then you can also um just send an, an email to info at johnsablon.com. So until next time, when we talk about the mass, um, we just want to wish all of you a, a blessed day. And until then, get holy or die trying.